0: grace mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ Amen the text for our consideration this morning is the epistle lesson 1st Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 we read in Jesus name for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god in fact it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent i will bring to nothing where is the wise man where is the expert in the jewish law where is the probing thinker of this of the present age has not god shown that the wisdom of this world is foolish Indeed, since the world through its wisdom did not know God, God in His wisdom decided to save those who believe through the foolishness of the preached message. Yes, Jews ask for signs. Greeks desire wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, which is offensive to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. We preach Christ crucified because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. These are the words of our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered in Your wisdom and strength to increase our faith. We pray that You would speak to us through Your humble Word and reassure us that Jesus is our Savior from sin. That in Your wisdom You planned for Him to live and die in our place so that we could be forgiven. And through the power of His death and resurrection, You have wrenched us from Satan and sin's hands and brought us back to Yourself we pray then that you would increase our faith pour out your spirit upon us and preserve us in it until we're finally rescued and with you in heaven we ask these things in Jesus name amen in Christ Jesus the fellow redeemed at 2.30 This past Tuesday morning, the Philadelphia police were trying to work out what had happened to a man that they found dead on the sidewalk outside of the Masonic Temple. At first, they thought he'd been hit by a vehicle, but then they received security footage from the building across the street, which showed the man scaling. The Masonic Temple it appears that he fell to his death was he trying to break in or was he roof topping I don't know if you know what roof topping is but it's a a new phenomenon where people mainly men scale buildings without any safety equipment to snap a death-defying selfie at the top of the building. 17 months ago, probably one of the most famous rooftopers, Wu Yongning, fell 62 floors to his death. He was free-climbing a 62-floor building. Most sane people would look at rooftoppers and say, you're just crazy. You're foolish. In fact, we look at extreme risk, or at least most sane people look at extreme risk, as foolishness. And in our life, we tend to have this rule over us that foolishness leads to death and wisdom leads to life. If we were to consider Christianity that way, would it conform? Do most sane people look at Christianity and say it's not risky or it's not foolishness? So let's explore this idea of foolishness with the theme, The Foolishness of God Powerfully Saves. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. In their relationship with God, what does the wisdom of men conclude? And I'm going to suggest that there are mainly three conclusions that people make in their relationship with God. The first is, and it is probably the most promoted in our culture, is that there is no God. This is promoted by evolutionists, atheists, that the wise conclusion about the world we live in is that it came about by a process of evolution, and the wisest col- conclusion to reach. About God is that He doesn't exist. Well, if we use that idea of a person falling from a great height, what the atheists have really concluded is that there is nothing at the bottom, they just cease to exist there is really no lasting consequence of what happens at the bottom yet the Bible says that the fool says in his heart there is no God I find it interesting and this is anecdotal evidence that one of the most outspoken atheists of our time, Richard Dawkins, has now become agnostic. He said, it is not beyond a doubt that there is no God. So he's given up his atheism. And that moves us into the second position. That there is a God But I just don't really care and that's the agnostic position there is a higher being but I'm just not religious now the assumption that the agnostic makes is that God doesn't care either that when they land at the bottom of that fall there is no serious God to meet and so they live their life as if God isn't serious he's there and he's there to call on when you need him but he's not really serious that is a very different picture from the God of the Bible and the God of most sacred writings, or writings that are considered sacred. Typically, God takes Himself very seriously and He takes us very seriously. So the agnostic is assuming That the people of the world who follow a religion of just any type at this time, have it wrong that God isn't serious. I would say that's a pretty risky assumption to make. The third position, and this is actually the position of most of the world's religions, in that is in the fall if you work hard enough if you flap your hands and your arms well enough you'll have a soft enough landing to survive the whole idea is if you work if you do what God demands then it's going to be a nice cushy not too painful end We call that works righteousness. In Buddhism, you just keep falling until you get it right, life after life. But for most religions, you get one shot. You get one chance to work out your eternal destiny. And if you mess up, that's it. That's not a very comforting thought. For people who are not designed and no longer able in a spiritual sense to fly. We're all going to hit the ground at terminal velocity if it's up to us. But God has a different plan. It may seem like foolishness to the world. But the foolishness of God is wiser than men. So God sent a substitute. A substitute that would not fall to begin with. Who would live a perfect life in our place. And then would deliberately enter the consequence of the fall into death so that he could die for all of us. You could say that Jesus took the fall so that each one of us would be rescued from our death. God's plan is a good one because God came in the flesh and was able to do everything that god requires jesus lived a perfect life he didn't stumble at one point at any point of his life and god has accepted jesus life on our behalf so jesus really has lived for you in your place And Jesus has met God at the end of the fall in your place and suffered what you deserve because of your sins. All of the anger of God, all of the righteous judgment that should have fallen on our heads, Jesus has faced in our place. And because Jesus has done that, He has now become a landing pad. Like one of those inflated, huge mattresses that they put under people that are going to jump off buildings. Jesus has become that. But He could only be it. He could only be a safe place to land if He had lived a perfect life and died the death that we deserve and so all of us are falling all of us at some point one day in the future are going to hit the ground but where are you going to land the wisdom of God says land on Jesus and you will survive YOU WILL BE SAVED. SO GOD HAS WORKED THROUGH THE FOOLISHNESS OF THE CROSS TO PROVIDE A SAFE LANDING PLACE FOR US. AND IT CAN SEEM LIKE WEAKNESS, BUT IN REALITY IT IS STRENGTH. WHEN WE PICTURE JESUS Bleeding and dying on the cross. That seems like the ultimate weakness. When Jesus breathed his last and gave up the ghost, it seemed like the ultimate defeat. The supposed Savior had died. But when Jesus cried out, it is finished. And when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Those were not the words of weakness or defeat. Those were words of strength. When Jesus cried out, it is finished. He was declaring that the payment for sin has been fully satisfied. That the price that our sins deserve. The fine, if you want to think of it that way, had been paid in full. He had suffered sufficiently so that God could set us free. It is finished was a triumphant and powerful cry declaring to the world that sin has been paid for. And when He breathed His last, Father, into Your hands I commit my spirit, He was suffering the true consequence of our sins. In its fullness. Even physical death. But Jesus didn't remain dead. Because His life and death were too powerful. To remain in the grave. And so on the third day, by His own almighty power, He took back His life. And He revealed to the world that He is not weak. But that He is powerful to save. Jesus is strong enough to save you. You may look at your life and see all of the foolish and sinful things you've done. Maybe there's something in particular that you remember you've done and you just can't get your mind around how God can possibly forgive that particular sin. Or maybe there's a sin that a lot of people don't think is a big one you do over and over and over again. And you can't understand how God can possibly forgive that sin time and time again. Surely His patience is going to run out. Surely His strength to save someone, someone like me has got to fail at some point. no it won't because jesus can save anyone there is no sinner whose sin is stronger than jesus there is no sin so powerful that jesus can't rescue you from it When Jesus declares that all our sins are forgiven, when He said it is finished, He was meaning the payment for all sin was complete. And that means all of your sins too. Jesus is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner. He is powerful to save even you. And He has demonstrated this in your life because He continues to work through weak things to powerfully save. He continues to work through simple spoken words, through water, through bread and wine, Powerfully rescue us from our sins. So he says that when Christians speak words of forgiveness to one another, those words are powerful to save. When Pastor Molstead, before absolved you from your sins, God was working powerfully through those words. Those weren't just human words. They were human words through which the divine God was working to take away your sins. And when we wash people at that font with mere water, God has promised to work through that water so that Peter says of baptism that it saves you. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that font with water connected with word powerfully saves and on this altar when we consecrate simple bread and wine God is working powerfully to save because Jesus himself said this or drink of it all of you this is my blood of the Covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins When you eat and drink that bread and wine, receiving Christ's body and blood, God is working powerfully to save. He is coming to you and taking away your sins. And He wants you to leave this altar knowing and trusting that you are forgiven. Not because of anything you have done. But because Jesus is powerful to save. So are you going to take up roof topping? I wouldn't recommend it. Most sane people call it foolishness. But the reality is we're all falling. There's going to come a day when we're going to hit the ground. Where are you going to land? God has wisely provided a safe place. But there's only one. It's either Jesus or you do it yourself. Jesus is the only safe place to land he's the one that has suffered and died for you so that your sins are forgiven and god through his word and sacrament will continue to work powerfully in your life bringing you the forgiveness that jesus has won and making it your own personal possession may god continue to work powerfully May He continue to pour out His Spirit upon us so that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that we don't fear the fall. And we know how our life is going to end. God grant it. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.